Ladies and gentlemen, this is This is The Real Mission Impossible Show With your host, Lucien Jay Are you ready? We search the globe for the most amazing people who have overcome incredible obstacles Demonstrated amazing resilience, done the impossible I said, are you ready? Join, Join the real coach and Jay on the Real Mission Impossible show. Meeting legends from Dubai, South Africa, Nairobi, New York, London, wherever they are to make it possible for the Real I Impossible with Coach MJ. The Real Mission I Impossible show starts in... Let's count down together! 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Boom! So good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Coach MJ. We're welcome to another episode of Mission I Impossible. Tonight... We have our, as our guest, Commander John McCaskill, retired from the Navy SEALs. And as a civilian now, he's able to talk to me, not about the things that he'd have to kill me if he told me, but he's gonna, we're going to talk about the new life of John as he is uh, embracing civilian life with a young family and a great mission for veterans. Uh, welcome, without any further ado, John McCaskill, civilian. <laughs> MJ, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for that intro. And yes, thank you for having me. It's an honor and a privilege. That's something I'm having to get used to now is that I am a civilian and I think you can tell by, by my hair that I'm no longer in the military. But even people ask me what I do now and I, I got so used to for 24 years telling people that I am in the Navy and now just replacing one of those words, now I say I was in the Navy, it definitely feels different. And I had somebody address me via email the other day as, as commander, Commander John McCaskill, which, you know, I was. And I was like, hey, you don't have to do that. I, I'm John. Just call me John. And, and I like that. It feels uh, it's freeing and refreshing, though I did love my time in the military. I also am very much so far enjoying my, my new life. So looking forward to our interview and uh, looking forward to the discussion. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to, John. Of course, we don't have to go into how long I've been looking for this day. <laughs> I know. But, you've been so, but, so accommodating however, to my uh, schedule. Thank you. For those of you who are listening, you're not going to see what I'm getting ready to show, John. But I'm holding something up here. John, could you tell them what I'm holding up? <laughs> that is my scrum on the go board. Uh, scrum on the go. Okay. Yeah. So what do you do with this, John? What do you do with the scrum on the go? Could you tell us? Yeah, sure can. So uh, for those who are not familiar with scrum uh, as, a, as a project management framework, that's what it is. It's a project management framework. But re really, on the personal level, it's just a way to stay organized and productive. And I've just taken it and distilled what people do on a team level. Primarily, they work in, you know, product manufacturing or IT with the, with the Scrum methodology. I've distilled that down to using it on the individual level. So basically, for those who can't see it on the video and just are listening, what MJ just held up was a folding dry erase board that kind of fits in your, in your briefcase or your portfolio or whatever. You can take it around wherever you go, and it's got a little thin sheet of steel on the inside that allows magnets to stick to it or really just protects its shape and form. But it, it helps to keep you organized in your daily planning. So it's got four columns on it, one that's backlog, one that's due, the next one that's doing, and then the last one that's done. And that's how you organize your tasks. So backlog is everything that you want to get done. And then you move everything from the backlog into the due column for some period of a time. So if you have a sprint that's a day, 
or a week long. You move everything that you think you can get done in whatever whatever the amount of time that is. And then as you're doing each task, you try to move only one task to the do column at a time so that you can stay focused on that one task and, and really commit 100% of your time and energy to that. And then, and then obviously when you're done with that, you move it in the done column. So that part's self-explanatory. But the whole beauty of it is that you're touching the board and there's psychological feedback that you get from that. And there's a dopamine rush that you get from moving something from the do column to doing and then finally to the done column so that your productivity goes up. And then people have asked me since I made it, since I created it, well, this is so simple. Why wouldn't you do this on your phone? And that's the whole point is that it's not on your phone. It's not on your computer because as soon as you open up your phone or as soon as you open up your computer, you get distracted by the uh, the hundreds of other emails or notifications from your social media or, or whatever the case may be. And then before you know it, you've wasted an hour of your time down a wormhole that you never should have gone down. So this unfolds and sits right in front of you on your desk, wherever you are at a coffee shop, uh, at, at your office. And it's uh, pretty simple. So it just keeps you on task. That's, a, that's what it is. Scrum on the go board. Well, this is great. And that John had reached out on a social network and he recommended this. So I went straight to Etsy. And that's where <laughs> I got mine, by the way. And uh, I've been using it ever since. In fact, I'm just going to show you what I've been working on. For those of you who can see, I have uh, <laughs> my my backlog is uh, Don McCaskill, and then I I have uh, been doing that for quite a while. Then I had my dopamine rush to do John McCaskill, <laughs> and now I'm doing. So there we go. These well are very played. handy. And the well best played. part about this, John, it's always in your face. It's always. <laughs> oh, that's that was well done. <laughs> yeah, John, those, tell were, us some, those were tell listening. Us Tell us a little bit about uh, your new family. And you've been actually in Colorado waiting for a home to be built. Is that right? Been in an RV? That's right. At yeah, so that's right. So the original plan when we when I retired, my wife is also retired, not retired, but former Navy. She got out two years ago. But when I retired, the plan was to jump in the RV and, and take my young family. So it's myself, my wife, my three-year-old little girl and my one-year-old little boy. We're going to jump in the RV and, and travel around the country, see a lot of places that we haven't seen before, do a lot of things. What that turned into was the first couple of months, it was kind of obligatory to go and see family, which is all great. I mean, I wanted to see my family. I wanted my wife to see hers. We wanted to visit cousins and aunts and uncles and fathers and mothers and everything. So we, we traveled to a few places and visited uh, friends and family primarily. Not a whole lot of exciting places, but friends and family. And then we started to try to see some places that we wanted to see. And a lot of them were shut down uh, due to COVID or roads that we wanted to travel on were shut down due to COVID. Some spots weren't allowing out-of-state people to come and visit, some uh, state parks, some national parks. So we just said, you know what? We're going to put this whole trip on hold, pull into an RV park, which is actually where I'm talking to you from right now is an RV park on the side of the interstate in Larkspur, Colorado. But, and then we were like, you know what, we're going to build a house. And we came up with these plans of what we wanted to build. And, uh, and then while we were looking around in Colorado for land, we came upon a house that was already built, kind of fit exactly what we wanted. And we made an offer on it and, uh, and it got accepted. So now we're just waiting for the house closes later this week. And then the sellers uh, are going to move out They're They're going to rent it back from us for a few weeks while they close on their next house. But yeah, so 
a lot of plans that we had, we've flexed and kind of modified, but that's something that you learn to do in the military. It's something that you learn to do with the, with the scrum on the go board. That's one of the reasons people have it is, is plans change and you have to be able to flex. But yeah, so right now we are living in the RV here in the RV park, waiting to close on the house and we'll be moving in at the beginning of next month, ideally into this new place. And, uh, and then I'll be here with, with my small family again, here in Colorado Springs, working for a nonprofit. Again, for those who are listening and can't really see behind, behind MJ's head, there's a, there's a sign for the nonprofit that I work for. I'm the deputy executive director for Veterans Path. And Veterans Path is a nonprofit that introduces veterans and military members to the power, powerful practices of mindfulness and meditation. And I'm sure we'll get into that here shortly, but that's, uh, that's where I am and what I'm doing now. So just for, for those people who might not have a, a real clear idea of your background, you don't just get voted in commander. This is something <laughs> you really had to, to be tough as nails. You were an enlisted man. Is that right? So you were enlisted? Yes, um, that's right. And then from there, you moved up the ranks. You made that executive choice, if you will. I'm just going to simplify for our audience. Yeah. Um, but that didn't mean that you were sitting behind a desk smoking a cigar and saying, <laughs> I, I love it when a plan comes together like Hannibal. Uh, Hannibal. But you were, you were part of a team that uh, went out and did missions, et cetera, and you did your job for our country. So, John, on behalf of everyone, before we even move forward, I'd like to say gracefully and respectfully, sir, thank you so much for your service. Well, MJ, thank you for that, first of all. Thank you for your support. I also have to say that my service was an honor and a privilege. From when I enlisted until I recently retired, I served beside some of the greatest men and women this country has to offer. I honestly felt at times that I didn't belong among, amongst them because they were so amazing and they continue to serve, many of them. And I just look back on my service, as John F. Kennedy says, always be able to look back on my life and say with, with pride that I served in the United States Navy. So thank you for the privilege for allowing me to serve. We're really, really grateful. And John, now, of course, uh, being back in your civilian hat, being your, your new house coming up, I didn't know that. That's great news. That's Yeah, awesome. yeah. Very I thought you guys that. were going to go to the East Coast, actually. I that's where I thought you were headed. Well, yeah. We, I mean, that's that's where we lived. We lived in, in Virginia Beach for, see, I moved there when I was two, in 2003 originally, lived there until 2006, moved to the West Coast uh, for a while, bebopped around there, and then, uh, and then went down to Tampa, and then moved back to the East Coast, the Virginia Beach area in 2013, where my wife and I... I had a house. I did a one-year stint in Bahrain while she kept the house in Virginia Beach, came back, lived there until until recently. So I guess for most intents and purposes, I lived in on the East Coast for most of my military career. And then, yeah, we, we fell in love with the mountains uh, on a couple of trips that we were on and decided, we, we actually sat down, we made a list of, of the things that we wanted in our lives. And mountains was close to the top of that list. And we actually did this on a dry erase board, funny enough, MJ. Not not the scrum on the go board, but dry erase. Uh, so put the mountains, put a major metropolitan area that was close by, so Denver. Put a major airport, major hub, Denver. And then looked on all the magazines that had like the top 10 cities. And Denver and Colorado Springs were in amongst the top five quite a few times. So Colorado Springs bubbled to the top. And we decided upon it. 
and then I got introduced to Veterans Path as a potential deputy executive director for them. And they, they're headquartered in, out in San Francisco. When I was telling them what I was wanting to do, I was like, yeah, well, I'd really like to, to work in, in Colorado Springs, work and live in Colorado Springs. And they said, well, incidentally, we're going to be moving our headquarters from the San Francisco Bay Area to Colorado Springs. So all the, all the stars aligned, and here we are. <laughs> so that's what, yeah. that's what Deepak Chopra calls synchro destiny. It just lined yeah. up, like you said. That's right. And funny enough, you should mention Deepak. We're, we're hoping Veterans Path. Uh, we're hoping to partner with the Chopra Foundation. We spoke with their second in charge, Punacho Machaya, about two weeks ago, and we're hoping that there's something that we can do with them to further help veterans with, with some of the anxiety and stress that, that is veteran unique, you know, comes with deploying, comes with being on the battlefield, comes with being away from your family, comes with being in danger, comes with transitioning out of the service. That's a, That's another whole unique set of stressors. So anyway, we're hoping to partner with them here in the in the coming weeks and months and bring these life-changing and life-saving practices to more veterans. Yeah, I, I, that sounds wonderful. You know, that, that really resonates with me too. They have a great program which they teach, which I enjoyed participating in, which was a learning primordial meditation, which is the introduction to mindfulness and mindful living, mindful right. eating, wonderful stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is. And actually, one of our teachers went through the Chopra Foundation uh, for her certification, and she also did the Ayurvedic health and wellness certification. So she eats eats that way and meditates that way. And just there's there's a lot to this life that we don't know about until you start really delving into other, other people's industries and, and lives. And, and it really makes life so much more interesting when you start talking to people about what it is they do and then what brought them to that. MJ, I've also got a, a Veterans Path podcast, so I do something similar to what you do. And it's just so fascinating to talk with people one-on-one and learn about them, learn what drives them. So definitely something I did not do a whole lot of when I was in the military. You know, you, you kind of are part of your unit and that's who you stick to. That's who you talk to most of the time. Rarely do you get a chance to talk to somebody who is outside of your career field one-on-one at any level of depth. So that is coming full circle back to one of your original conversations or one of your original questions. How am I enjoying civilian life? That side of civilian life, I'm very much enjoying, which is kind of ironic because I'm an introvert, a fairly extreme introvert, but talking one-on-one at a deep level I love talking to a whole lot of people about stuff that's not really deep <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of and that's uh, I guess that's the extrovert side that is not part of me I think it's uh, wonderful to have and of course your podcast are you focusing uh, John just for our listeners are you focusing on speaking to veterans and their experiences or who are you talking to yeah so primarily who we speak to are military veterans or, or active duty military who have overcome adversity through the use of mindfulness and or meditation, or we speak with any corporate leaders, very high performing athletes who have also improved their performance by using these same techniques. And now this season, I, I just started season two yesterday. I haven't released the episodes yet, but I've started recording for season two. This season, I want to interview people who have used those techniques, mindfulness and meditation, but have also started using some of the more unconventional or unorthodox methods to heal their minds. There are some really out there methods. One of my friends who I am going to bring on the show in a couple of weeks traveled down to Costa Rica for eight days 
and called an ayahuasca tea ceremony. He actually did three ayahuasca tea ceremonies. An ayahuasca tea is essentially a hallucinogenic. Apparently that has become a new, I, I think it was something that it's not new. It's, it's getting, I guess, uh, coming back to the surface, people have used hallucinogenics to heal themselves in the past, but then, then they took it too far and either killed themselves or did stupid things on the, uh, on the outside. So hallucinogenics became verboten. But now if you do it in a controlled environment, apparently I haven't done it myself, but I've been reading about it and I've been hearing about it a lot recently. If you do it in a controlled environment, you can actually heal some of the mental wounds that you may have through the use of certain hallucinogenics, which is very interesting to me. I had no idea we were going to talk about this, but, <laughs> but since you brought it up, I was fascinated. Maybe, John, two years ago, I was reading where certain doctors in psychiatry in the United States were using microdoses of MDA or some other yeah. hallucinogenic drug to help treat veterans who had PTSD. And, and yeah. what it was doing is it was refiring the cylinders, I'm just going to use my paraphrase, of the brain, which got disconnected through right. shutdown or trauma or whatever. And so that microdosing, again, under controlled, do not try this at home. Yeah. But under <laughs> exactly. controlled circumstances, uh, it was a reconnection, like the lights, and they, 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 they said the lights just came back on. Yeah, yeah, there's neural pathways that have atrophied. Yeah, MDMA, even even LSD in, in some cases have, has been used in microdoses under, you know, close scrutiny with observation there. But yeah, apparently it works. So Listen, we'll be bringing brother, some people on the show. John, it's okay. My mom, she's still here with us. She's, I think, 86, 87. She wouldn't mind me telling you. She's in an assisted living place. She has, she's a card carrying member. She has her marijuana license. She's had the touch of the oil from time to yeah. time. So, you know, times they are changing, my friend. That's true. Absolutely. And I think if, if something is going to help you and it's unorthodox and it brings you back to who you once were mentally or allows you to shed some of the demons that you may be carrying, then more power to you. As long as you don't hurt somebody else or, or ultimately hurt yourself by doing it, more power Agreed. to you. <laughs> Agreed. And here's the thing. There's a gap when veterans come out of the military. I know that there's, they have different programs and, and they've been improving and some of them are really making remarkable progress. However, when so I'm going to equate this with two examples. One, when you have someone who's been on the International Space Station for a year, and they come back into the United States, or come back to Earth, rather, and then right. come back to the United States, they go through a program, they go through an evaluation, there's lots of protocols that they follow. The same is true is if you're a diver. You know, I, I'm PADI certified. They teach us yep. that you, know, you have to come up level, the level, the level. And, you know, yep. there's a procedure to do that. And if you try to come too fast, you can cause damage to your body and you could do, be fatal. So there is no register. Like you can always tell if you have a broken bone because your arm kind of hangs in a funny position. But when your psyche has been damaged, and a lot of us, you know, when we were raised, we were just told, you know, be a man, hold it together. Yeah, man up. Face, man up, right? So what's wrong with you? We have this repression of emotions, sometimes in PTSD situations, trauma, even first responders, people who are EMTs who arrive on the bloody scene every day, um, they push it down, they push it down, they push it down. And sometimes it just has a way of bubbling up unexpectedly. And that's 
probably why I have so much respect for people like you who are understanding that mindfulness and meditation are tools. They're not some far out program that they were looked upon 25, 30 years ago in this country. They're now right. accessible tools and not just tools. They're great lifestyle management tools. Absolutely. They are. And, and what's funny is we here in the West, some point, mindfulness and meditation and yoga and a lot of these modalities became looked at as though they were something that the hippies did or weirdos did or maybe maybe men who who were more feminine did when in in actuality warriors ancient warriors did this samurai did it before they went into combat the spartans did a form of mindfulness and meditation before they trained and before they went into combat and in all honesty if you're in control of your mind, there is, there's no sign of strength greater than control of your mind. And the only way that you can do that is through practicing regular mindfulness and meditation throughout your day or throughout your week. That's, that's really how you get better control of your mind. So in my opinion, that's the sign of strength. And in another sign of strength is your being able to admit that you need help. In the last month or so, I've, lo I've lost a friend to his taking his own life because he didn't know how to reach out for help. I don't know what demons he had, what was going on exactly in his life, but it became too much for him. And his friends and family didn't quite know what was going on, but he didn't, he didn't reach out. And I wish that he had. I wish that he reached out to more friends and family. And I, please don't, don't take me as disrespecting my, my fallen brother, but we need to make it more acceptable in society to speak about mental challenges, mental health, and then make it more readily available, the help that is out there. Something that I've just recently started doing is I have the National Suicide Hotline in my phone. It's not something that I have to Google. It's not something that I have to dial. I can literally push the button and say, you know, Siri, call the National Suicide Hotline. Sorry, I see the sun is probably causing problems on the screen there. But and anyway, so I have the suicide hotline as one of my contacts in my phone for two reasons. One, in case I ever get to the point where I need to use it for myself. I don't want to be Googling it. I don't want to spend time dialing a number. I want it to be the easiest possible access that I can have to that, that line. And then the second reason that I have it is if I never personally needed it, I can send it to friends without having to Google it. I can send it to friends so that they have it in their phone so that they can use it or they can share it. That national suicide hotline needs to be more readily accessible than some number that you look up on Google. Point being is strength comes from recognizing that you have a problem and then being open to asking for help. And then the other side is knowing where to turn for that help. And that's, that's what I do. That's one of the things that I do with Veterans Path. That's one of the things that I do as a personal passion project of mine every day is if I can save one person with the work that I'm doing, then, then it makes it all worth it. Wow. That's uh, incredible. And I, I, because of you, I've followed some of the, your social media over the, you wouldn't believe this, but for more than a few months and um, you'll see my scrum board. And <laughs> as a result, I've seen you also, you're in a campaign now where you're uh, every day, uh, finding something that you're grateful for and you have a 20 day challenge because there are an extraordinary number of veterans every day or every week that are taking yeah. their own life. That's just unacceptable. Yeah, exactly. So a guy named James Corbett, he founded a, an organization called Project Refit and they do a, a Zoom call three times a week. I forget what time it is, but 
anyway, Project Refit three times a week at night where veterans can come on there and share their feelings and emotions that they normally wouldn't share with people. Share things like what it was like to be on the battlefield and be scared to be shot at. What it was like to have the the person, your buddy right next to you killed. How that felt. How often do you speak about how that felt? Not, not often. And if you do speak about it, a lot of the time you're speaking about it to a counselor, to a psychologist, which is all that's great. Not knocking that at all. I think that's important. But to be able to talk with other veterans about that same experience, talk about talk about taking a life. That's not easy. They, people think a military member that goes onto the battlefield and, and takes the enemy's life, that that's an easy thing. First of all, it's not an easy thing to do. Second of all, it's not an easy thing to, to kind of live with on your soul. And to talk about that, that's what Project Refit is doing. It's, I'm a huge fan of it. And then in addition to Project Refit, what, what James has started was project refit um, grateful challenge the old adage having an attitude of gratitude there's something to that in showing and expressing gratitude regularly you literally rewire your brain into viewing things in more positive light the grateful challenge is 21 days of expressing gratitude about something every day and then much like the 22 push-up challenge the challenge is you you do it and then every day you challenge somebody else to join you so that the the power is exponential you change the way that you think also change the way that so many other people think uh, in their lives and the, the idea is that we can change enough people enough people's way of thinking that we can make a really positive dent on this country and then the uh, the whole reason that it's 21 days is that the, the number of suicides, veteran suicides, is somewhere around 21 a day, 21 plus or minus one a day in the veteran population. So that's why it's 21 days. So it's, there's several reasons that we're doing the Grateful Challenge. One is to change our own mind. Two is to change the minds of others. And three is to bring awareness of veteran suicide to the population. Well, hats off to James Corbett and yourself and all the other people who were involved in the gratitude challenge thank you back back to chopra by the way john not for nothing what a great eye-opener a gratitude was and some of the workshops that we did there just amazing i mean we're talking quantum physics quantum level stuff amazing so it was a lot of things that happened with gratitude because if you start with your heart and you start to think about all the things you're the people in your life your grandmother your mother all those people you're really grateful for that you start to love energy there that has the ability to push all throughout your body. Uh, amazing stuff. So yes, I'm grateful to know about gratitude. I'm grateful to know that you're working on gratitude and that it has a ripple effect around the country. And let's hope with the goodwill and the good light, you and your comrades uh, throughout the country that we can shine more light on how to re-indoctrinate our veterans when they come back from whatever predicaments that they had, some they can't talk about. We've all heard it before. For you, John, to to be into a new civilian life, uh, the great uh, locations you pick. I, I would love to drive up there one day and hop by for lunch. I'm sure the- Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure the views in the mountain there are just phenomenal. I got really jealous when you were talking about it because I'm in the middle <laughs> of the state. There's no ocean, there's no mountains, there's no nothing. But what there is, is an opportunity to meet people like you, great people like you who are gonna be doing great things for themselves, for their families, for their communities, and for our country. To get in touch with John uh, McCaskill, get in touch with Veterans Path. Is there a particular website, John, you can just tell us? Yeah, sure is. As a matter of fact, we just redid it. So it's the same web address, but it's a new website. The address is veteranspath.org. 
So pretty simple, just veteranspath.org. And then, uh, and then you can reach me at John, J-O-N, at veteranspath.org there. Or as MJ and I connected was on LinkedIn. If you just look for me, John McCaskill, it's J-O-N. Last name is M-A-C-A-S-K-I-L-L. Exactly like that. On the- you don't have it figured out. Yeah. There, there it is, John McCaskill. So, yeah. John, thank you so much for sharing your time today with us. I know yeah, you have pleasure. some other family obligations that you had to deal with. I know you're juggling lots of things in your project. I really <laughs> am so grateful that you came on. Uh, I hope maybe we can find another way to collaborate uh, because after we're waiting for you to finish our season one, John, which now thank you for that very much. And, uh, <laughs> and we're, we'll be telling you all about season two privately as we move forward. Ladies and gentlemen, Commander John McCaskill retired, introducing our newest civilian member of our society, John. Just call him John. <laughs> thank you so much, John. God bless you and your family, sir. Thank you, MJ. It's been a pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for the opportunity. God bless you. Thank you for joining The Real Mission. We welcome you to explore the next Real Mission on Possible with Coach MJ. Meet ordinary people who have achieved the extraordinary. Like, share, and comment to inspire others today.